what most people think. Okay, hello and welcome to episode 175 of What Most People Think, and I'm not talking about the government. In my first bit for weeks, I was talking about the government. In fact, I'm not, means that maybe they've steadied the ship, or maybe the ship is just damaged, but it'll just sort of lurch onto it hits an iceberg. Maybe that's what's happened to the ship. And I'm recording this just as a timestamp on the afternoon of Tuesday before the England-Wales game, so we may have fucked it up and there may have been mass suicides, but um, look, hopefully... Hopefully the Welsh salvaged some pride and no doubt we sort of soldiered on, uh, wounded. But I'm really excited because I'm going to jump straight in with my guest. This is my first face-to-face guest since the dark times. It's Catherine Ryan back on the show. Welcome back to the show. Hey, you've already got me like very interested because I wish you would talk about the government. Mm. I don't really know what's going on lately. And also... Why did you come here on a day that England's playing Wales? Well, I, I got my... Don't get me wrong, I did work out the timings. Okay, okay. You know, so there was a military-level operation. I could, I could be back in time. I mean, we will talk about... I do want to scratch your... Is it scratch your brain? Pick your brain. Sure. About politics generally and stuff. But um, I'm here. It's, it's, it's the end of November. Um, you've just had the, the Louis Theroux documentary go out, which yeah. is excellent. I mean, I would say to people right now is... If you've got time, pause this now, watch that on iPlayer. That would be good because that would, I think that would bring a bit of texture to the podcast. Yeah, it would. It would give them a solid backstory about who I am. Yeah. Because I think Louis Theroux, I mean, has earned his reputation for being an amazing, immersive documentarian journalist. Mm. It didn't even have to be a Nazi or in a sex cult to have him come around. Yeah, he's lowered the threshold, isn't he? Yeah. The entry requirements. I worried at first. I was like, what? <laughs> but he well, just... like even being asked was an implication. Uh, it yeah. was. Yeah. But he's just interviewing people from different uh, parts of media, I guess. Mm. Stormzy, Dame Judi Dench, Bear Grylls, and me. He wanted a comedy person. And it was cool. He asked me questions some people have never asked me before. And I'm Mm. so... I've learned something from that interview, Jeff. I learned that I disassociate. Because everybody Mm. says, why are you so calm? Why are you so cool? Why do you not get nervous or care about things? Mm. And then the word sociopath has been banded about. There's got to be a good end of that spectrum, right? You know when you're you're on the sociopath spectrum? It's not all bad. Sometimes it just helps you get things done. That's it. Well, the the thing is, I think to be a sociopath, you uh, don't care about people. I care deeply about people, and I Mm. want everyone to be happy, and I care so deeply about people's peace and happiness that I can't even watch dramas or scary films. I have to switch off Mm. dogs being reunited with their military dads. You know, I care about stuff. But I don't invest a lot of worry in whether or not the whole world likes me because you just it's not something that's achievable for anyone. But I learned that I disassociate because if I had allowed myself to really understand that Louis Theroux mm. was going to be in my life for four days, in my house, in my car. Four days is how long it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. I think I would have been really nervous, but I was just too busy to really think about it until it was You over. did seem very... That's the thing. People talk zen. I think that you yeah. do zen. So that when people see you do it, it's weird because it's not just a, a platitude. I mean, like, you know, you've spoken about it different ways in your career. It's the zero fucks, but it's just maybe the more sort of mature version of zero fucks. It's yeah. the, the, the zen fucks. It really is. Like, I, I'm pregnant now and the midwife comes around and yeah. every time she's like, ooh, 90 over 50. Like, my blood pressure is even dangerously low. And I'm like, it's proof. Your blood doesn't give any fucks. No, it's medical proof. I'm just like, <laughs> So. You, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are pregnant um, again. You have to say again now. Again. Again. Is this, is this some sort of like, in, in, like, are you trying to satisfy, is the Irish thing really coming through? 
yeah. like now, just just you're just trying to satisfy every stereotype. Well, I learned that there are men out there like Elon mm. Musk mm. and Nick Cannon, and one more absolute freak who just want to have as many kids with as many women as yeah. possible. By the way, research Nick Cannon. Fascinating. It's funny. It's you you so won't regret fascinating. it. He's very talented. An entrepreneur. He was mm. married to Mariah Carey infamously for a little while. They had twins. Those are his first two children. And I think he's a good businessman. I think he invested a lot yeah. in production companies early on. And he wasn't just a one-hit wonder hip-hop boy. But he gave, became famous when he was really young. But anyway, he's a bastard now. He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> he's got all these women pregnant. And he doesn't spend a lot of time seemingly with these How many kids, kids has he got? He's last, got 12. Last 12 kids. And he sort of openly said, that's the project. Yeah. I want to just knock them out. Yes. Spraying it everywhere around the globe, and he's going to support all these women. These women are interesting to me because yeah. it is a lifestyle that they have chosen. They've said, Oh, I'm fine with that. I would like to be financially looked after by Nick Cannon. Mm. I'm going to basically raise my child alone, but sometimes my child will have contact with Nick Cannon. Yeah. Not very often, though, I guess. And I'm okay with these other women doing pregnancy photo shoots where he's kissing their tummy and stuff. I don't know. I mean, Anytime I see polygamy, which is what this feels yeah, like, yeah. I'm a little bit um, comforted because the man looks deeply unhappy. They're, ne they're never happy. I remember the only time I saw physical evidence of men having more than uh, one wife was it, it was at an uh, airport in Bahrain. And it was this guy there, he's wearing, wearing the dish dash, you know, wearing the old national dress, and he had, he had, his, he had his missuses. You can't even pluralise that. <laughs> that that's, that's a hint. His missile. Yeah. Um, there, there was about seven of them. They were all in niqab. It wasn't burqa, it was niqab, so you could see eyes and stuff. So he was having to basically sort them out yeah. at check-in. And I just looked at him, I thought, what are you for? Whatever. Like, there must be some next-level testosterone that is released that's based on just being out of sleep on, with different women on different days of the week. So I, I'm ignorant of how that feels. I've got to say, it's not worth it, mate. No, it's like, not. Like, the stress on that man's face. Airport dad times seven. Airport dad. Does he get to the airport like 28 hours early? Twenty. Yeah, you have to do it by a multiple of how many wives you've got. He. I mean, I've always thought like airports are not good places for dads anyway because there's this thing, a phenomenon where I think normally the, the, the woman in that situ situation would have done more to facilitate the, the holiday generally packed I, on, on average. right? Yeah. So by the time they get to the airport, she fucking hates him. It's like a mini version of labour, right? right? is that they have to give birth to this holiday. Right. So he just has to get... There's some of the tellings off I've seen men get in airports are up there in my Hall of Fame. I know. Dressing, public dressing downs. Well, yeah. And then you guys arrive at the location, open the bag, and find out what's inside for you and the children. And yeah. But, I mean, I don't know the Bahrainian perimeters of that. Like, I think he yeah. would have to do a lot. Legally, I think yeah, he would yeah. have to do a lot of admin to just get anyone anywhere. Was it like... Um, trickle down's an awful word when you're thinking about sperm, but... Is it, is it trickle down genetic? Like, if so, say that guy's wealthy, yeah. he's gone. Well, if I just maybe he's like a communist with like a mm. sort of sexual communist. So he, he thinks if I marry one woman, that's only one woman that benefits her. If I marry seven, yeah, and yeah. they'll be more grateful because they'll have to split it seven ways. They won't have as much. Yeah, and the children will have to be self starters because there'll be yeah. hardly any money left for them. He, so maybe it's a good thing. But they, they say that thing, don't they, where they get, they get up to, like, people... People get up to a multiple of kids and they go, you know, you love them just the same. You go, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like there's a number... It must get tricky beyond four. Yeah. That's hard to sort of 
like you're not you're just not caught up with them. You're like, oh, I thought you'd moved out, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Violet, my teenager who's 13, has definitely been ignored in the last 17 months since we had Fred, who's my second child, and uh, we thought she was cooked. You know, we were like, mm. oh, we've raised her, that's fine. And I notice now, like, oh, we should not have maybe let her be out of school in a pandemic for a couple of years and then ignored by us for another year. Not ignored, but, you know, we yeah, just weren't as... Mad Max in it a bit. She's beyond Thunderdome. Right. <laughs> right. And so now it's like, oh, so now we'll have three. Yeah. I think the boy's going to kick off. Fred's not going to be happy about having a baby because he really loves me a lot right now. Yes, and yes. And we'll see. I kind of wanted to have one more, but you're right. I think well, I think four, four, be four's, four four's enough. I think yeah. beyond that, then, yeah, they could, one could just easily just slip through. Do you know what I mean? Like what, an absolute tear away that... You just think, yeah, that guy, they just, you know, they, <laughs> it just felt like he was born and the next thing he'd shut up a town, you know? Well, I think that it's tricky. Like, I, I try not to judge other parents, but I do judge other parents. Yeah. And I know that it's wrong and I shouldn't do it and I shouldn't say it on a podcast. But I know a lot of women who have uh, less work on than I do and they have mm-hmm. full-time nannies. And when I mean full-time nannies, I mean yeah. they come at 8 a.m. and they leave at 6 p.m. Sometimes mm. they put the kids to bed, they make dinner... And I mean, if that works for you and it keeps you mentally well and it mm. keeps your marriage alive, then like whatever. But I need to refocus how I parent because the way I parent is not sustainable. I'm very so do, traditional, you, actually. You're doing it all. I mean, first, I pick, you when you say that we shouldn't judge, we we should judge. Yeah. I mean, it's not realistic to think that we shouldn't judge. I mean, but maybe they're doing a smarter yeah. thing than I am. I just mean generally we should judge oh, people. Oh, just generally, yeah, okay. But do you, do you not think that that is like people, that's became a cliche. I mean, when, when I was younger, they said like, you should never judge anybody else. I thought, well, what's going on internally with all of us? Because I'm pretty convinced that I'm judging everyone. Everyone's judging me. Yeah. I don't know where this... Where I think what you should do is be tactful about it. Yeah, don't judge out loud too much. No, don't judge out loud. Share with trusted friends right. the levels of judgment. I mean, I do think that's a wonderful thing. I mean, you're in a very loving relationship with the, the, the lovely Bobby. I mean, I don't think I should call him the lovely He's Bobby. He's pretty lovely. He's very masculine, so call him the lovely Bobby feels well. It's nice. The hunky Bobby, Takes right? the edge off. The hunky Bobby... And, and he, do you have this thing, like, you know, when you go out together? No. You, no, no, you've got young children. Remember, when, I mean, now it's probably going back to pre-pandemic, but yeah. you remember in 2019, you had that one night out. Um, knowing that you find the same people annoying, mm. what a bond that is between man and wife, or man and, man and... Say it, Jeff. Yeah. I You're mean, not as right-wing as they think. Well, I mean, that man is... Man and the, man. I, I've been, I've been uh, in the last five years, been more gay weddings than, str- than straight ones, so... So I'm just out liberal, all the lefties listening. <laughs> yeah, we love slagging people off together. And I think mm. my friendships are based on the same thread. Mm. You and Ramesh and I have that. If I need to slag someone off, you know, I've called you excitedly right away to be like... One of the best phone calls I've ever got. Yeah. Because I thought, well, it's either something terrible or something brilliant. You know, because <laughs> your, your, generation, your generation, millennials, not so big on phoning people. No. Not so much. So if I see that, if I see a millennial's phoning me, I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, if a millennial picks up a phone as well, yeah. that is, that's a beautiful thing. And what did I have? I had some hot goss about comedians fucking. Watch this space. You'll all find out soon. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I, you can tell me. I, tell you, I, I think it's a general rule of thumb in comedy is that the, you know, the nice guy, watch the, well, keep an eye on the nice guy. <laughs> would be is that fair I could say that if you like yeah. um, no that's fair so it's a general rule keep an eye on the nice guy I mean you had this brilliant line 
uh, for a while back where you said for every, every something like for every speech about feminism, add another chaperone when you go on a date. You and I workshop that. You thought about that, and that was about uh, Justin Trudeau. Was that about him? Yeah. You see, the white Obama. See, thinking so much in the voice that it, it leaves the head. And you nailed it. I can't stand Justin Trudeau anymore. He's such a fucking annoying. Because you just know who he is at, in reality. You go, all right, some of the values or the professed values. It's never a problem what the professed values are. Mm. It's like, do you walk the walk? I'm not surprised at all when I saw him with the blackface. No. Was even the scale of it. And then it was one of those ones where he did that thing as well, where he had these photos of his kid coming to work with him. Mm. And there was something about the way he was facing the camera. And it wasn't like he was having a genuine moment with his child. It was like, I know women will love this shit. Yep. They will lap this shit up. And I did lap it up for a few years. Mm. Were you on the Justin thing? Yeah, I thought, well, for a long time, I was not cynical. And I believed what people showed me. Mm. So I thought, oh. And when I want to share about... Ugh, a charity or a good cause that I believe in or a movement, you know, I'm being mm. genuine. I think, oh, this is very bad. Like, we should do something about this. This is unfair. And Bobby, my husband, is the one who introduced me to the concept of, like, virtue signaling mm. and social justice warriors. And I thought, no, that's not right. Like, there aren't people who are trying to get publicity or attention by attaching themselves to these causes. That's mm. so awful to think of people. People want to help. And then bit by bit, it was revealed to me. And now I can't unsee mm. it. Even amongst some of our own peers and people in mm. like television who post like this and that and really like dine out on being virtuous. Mm. And they're not. And Justin Trudeau, I feel like has changed Canada into a country that I don't even recognize. And mm. he's done all these things to be like, oh, I'm a really nice, cool guy. And then he's like secretly mm. selling asbestos to India when he... Like he to have a seat at that, is that table. Is that a genuine specific? Yeah, he is. Oh my god! I thought the, I thought you come up with a brilliant comic example. No. Asbestos to India. That would be. Yeah, like there's wow. a factory in Canada. I mean, you you might want to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure Absolutely that I read. Absolutely not. I will not no. fact check anything on. Okay, this well, allegedly. Yeah. There is a part I think of Quebec that yeah. makes asbestos. We won't use asbestos because we know it's dangerous, but they export it to India for them to use and make people sick. I mean, like. And then there are all these missing indigenous women and things. Justin Trudeau's like, we don't say mankind, we say people kind. But there are things he isn't actively doing. And he is the son of a politician. And I didn't realize for so long that so many of these people are trained to be likable mm. and that I was being fooled by it. And they're all just It's slick, isn't it? I mean, back. Yeah. Th that's the thing about it. Is it's slick. I and mean, you mentioned that point where <laughs> it, was, it was a kind of in-the-round chat. I don't know if it was a women's group, but certainly the audience seemed to be predominantly women. Mm. And it was a woman who I think was of Asian heritage who said, uh, you know, she, said, Mate, she asked a question about mankind and he stopped her and said, and, and we say people kind. And he goes, don't, first off, don't, don't say it like that. Secondly... <laughs> No one says people kind. No. Like if there is, you'd say human kind. It's the, yeah. it, it, and, and there was just something about it. There was something incredibly, for a good looking guy, a tall guy, you know, a powerful guy, that you sense his weakness. And there was something very Brentian, yeah. very David Brentian about the way that he conducts himself. Because he's just running it through the focus groups in his mind. Well, you talk about even nice guys in comedy. Watch out for the nice mm. guys. It's like, I've stopped trusting people who are likable. And mm. now I like someone who comes off like a prick. Well, hence here we are, you know, <laughs> with your third, your third appearance on the podcast. I, mean, I suppose there is, there's almost a quasi-political principle attached to that, and this is where sometimes people like Trump did well because you go, it's all priced in. Mm. As much of a bastard as that person is, is all on the front end, you know. 
you look at like Trudeau and Rishi to an extent, you go, I just feel like I'm going to find out stuff. Yeah. You know? And that's not to say Trump was good either. Like, that's no. the other thing. We've gotten, we've become so accustomed to these nicey, nicey guys who mm. are trained from birth to be likable. And then we go, oh, here's a guy who's really unlikable. Well, maybe he's the opposite. Yeah, or Maybe he's a really good guy, but that you could just be a prick through and through too. I don't know. But that, that, that was what I suppose people started to think about politicians yeah. is if they're willing to be an arsehole, then they're authentic. But that, as we found, comes with its own problems. Uh, we'll just do a quick uh, couple of uh, housekeeping things here. We've got a super patron called David Domain. Mm. How cool is that name, by the way? David really Domain. Old-fashioned showbiz. David you know, Domain. You know How's one he? of those guys, he reminds me of the guy, you know in Greece, the guy that hosts the thing at the, yeah. the dance that, that <laughs> touches up, touches up Is the it girl. French? I don't know. How does it spell D-E-M-A-I-N-E. David oh. Dumas. What's that mean? Last. No. Dernier Next. is last and Demain is tomorrow, but not the way he spells it. He's just David Domain. David Demain. I like him. He, uh, so he normally, I hope he's okay because he normally picks up on something from the previous uh, week's podcast. Uh, so he, I haven't been in touch with him. I hope he's okay. But I'll pick up something from last week's podcast. We spoke about the the armbands because it was after the England-Iran thing where the Iranian players basically risked death and uh, the England players wouldn't risk a booking, which was inspiring. Um, I'll just think, you know, what, what armbands... Would you wear? I mean, would you go? Would you go like? Because I mean, like LGBT, you know, stuff. That's still quite mainstream, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I don't. I think if I was from Iran and the government was telling me mm. you're not allowed, because didn't last week they were going to not sing the anthem or something, and then it was like, yeah, you they were sing it. pressured into it. Yeah. Anyone who's protesting over there right now is so brave. I, I don't mm. think I'd have the balls to protest anything in Iran, especially if I was mm. one of the most privileged people. If I was a professional sports star i would just yeah. keep quiet and like you try to keep my family safe i wouldn't wear any armband david beckham well yeah yeah i mean that i mean we talk about like you know this presentation of one side or people have even benefited and our friend joe lysett you know did great work in spotlighting this really because beckham was sort of seen he's one of these sort of center left celebrities that the left have tended to defend and and, and yet he you know he he was the first gay man he's the first straight man on the cover of attitude magazine and, and he, he just took the money. And I, like I was saying a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, if it's an old pro who's fallen on hard times yeah. and then Qatar go, do you want a million quid to commentate? Absolutely. Get yourself over there. You've got gambling debts. You know, he had, he had the pub repossessed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's that guy, not when you've got four, when you can afford to say no, that's where, and not just, but to do it with style. Yeah. Maybe we elevated him too much for queuing mm -hmm. and he needed to get some street cred back. Maybe he mm. went, wait a minute, I don't want to be beloved. Yeah. Because when he queued to see the Queen, yeah. he was flying too close to the sun with that. <laughs> and the UK just loved him and he yeah, went, yeah. No, I'm still a bad boy. Watch yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, he's gone, he's gone. This is his like his all right moment. You know? Right. He needed to even himself out. He's gone Kanye. That was his Icarus moment, wasn't it? <laughs> that he flew too close. But I now even think that was a preemptive thing. Maybe. Because we've worked in this industry too long, haven't we? We're just too cynical. We think, oh yeah. He would have had snipers on the roof. Like the idea that David Beckham just spent 12 hours in a queue with the public, yeah. without people. You know those guys that touch their lapels? Of course. I've got, I've got eyes on DB. Have you got eyes on DB? There's a lot of that stuff. Um, we've got new uh, pages. Just a reminder, a few things coming up with, because we are still weekly and ad-free, purely by virtue of the patrons. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much to them. Um, there will be uh, an online gig early next year. 
of course, I'm going to get the, 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 what is it? The fucking, um, the information to you about the Jeff Norcott and Friends gigs early next year. And then, uh, and then the, there's a board member level, uh, board member level. There's people that pay 20 quid a month or above, right? And it's not even officially acknowledged on the uh, Patreon site. And that's nothing to do with the fact I can't work out how to make it an official level. That's definitely this clandestine thing. So if you want to support the, the podcast, and I know times are tough out there, if you can't do that, then go on iTunes uh, and give it uh, a review or recommendation. Uh, we have a few new patrons. What we do is we always, um, we always sort of roast their names oh. uh, by way of a welcome. So we've got a guy called Jonathan West. Jonathan West, to me, sounds like a, a poorly thought-through romantic hero in an ITV1 <laughs> drama. I'm Jonathan West. Overly coiffured hair, maybe. I thought it was like a tuna brand. Tuna, John West. Oh is my god! That? Yeah, that is absolutely tuna. Yeah, I reckon <gasps> maybe his name. Maybe it is the guy. Maybe it's Jonathan West of Jonathan yeah. West Tuna. Are they still the market leaders of tuna? I think so. Well, you know, sometimes it happens. Do you remember like when Schweppes were the only tonic water people? Mm. Then these fever tree pricks came along. Fever tree is good though. Fever tree is good. I mean, it must have been like because gin was out of fashion, wasn't it? Yeah. For a long time, it was your nan's drink. And then, like, Schweppes were going, don't worry, because when Jin comes back, we're going to be the go-to guys. <laughs> and then just one day in the headquarters of Schweppes, who the fuck are Fever Tree? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you the really good one. It's called Dutch something. Mm. And they've got pomegranate basil. They've got nice grapefruit, rosemary. Mm. They've got, like, a, ni- a watermelon one. They've got a lot of good twists on a tonic. Mm. I think it's the tonics that dragged Jin back. And Schweppes yeah, yeah. sat on their privilege for too long. They, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because there was a period where it was just, it was an embarrassing drink. Mm-hmm. It was almost, and now you get these women drinking these fucking giant goblets of gin. Delicious. Do you know what I mean? Like House of fucking, what's the thing? Dragons? Dragon. Games? Yeah, what's House it called? Of Game Dragon. of Thrones. House of the Dragon is the new one. <laughs> I was going to mix up between that and Game of Cards. I've never sounded older than that. What's that? The old fucking House of the, House the, of the, the Dragon Bond. Cards. But welcome, uh, uh, John West. We see you, John West. Uh, we got Jeremy B. Jeremy B. Ugh. Now, Jeremy B, he could, what often happens is I have people that listen to me that work in left-leaning or woke environments that are cautious about having their names read out. So he could be, I mean, what kind of profession would you work in whereby, where you can't be identified as a fan of Jeff Norcott? Oh, so many. Uh, uh, You know one of those charitable societies that gives out money to ballet? (laughs) (laughs) He could just be like... A young, cool, hip, queer person who works in a clothing store. And yeah. he's curious about what most people think. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe he's just had that thing. He's, been, he's just hit that point, and young people do hit this, mm-hmm. where he just thinks that everyone around him is chatting pure shit. Yeah. And he wants to know, or, or he could be Jeremy B as well, could be like a mid-90s acid house DJ. Well, they do that with Love Island a lot. Mm. When two people have the same name, they'll give one an initial. They'll be Jeremy uh, and Jeremy B. Yeah, or yeah, primary school. Jazz B. Jezebel. I mean, it, it, the, the problem is, is if you introduced yourself to me Je- as Jeremy B, mm. that's a problem. Cause it's How do you feel about people using first name, last name? What, what do you mean by that? I know people who will always introduce themselves first name, last name. And there were yeah. people in my high school, you would never say just their first name. For yeah. some reason, you would always say this guy, first mm. name. Like, the example I'm thinking of is this guy... Greg Doherty, for some reason, I'm thinking of Greg Doherty. We never said, there's Greg. People yeah. would say, was Greg Doherty there? Greg Doherty's over there. And then I learned, oh, Mike Anning is another one. We always talked about Mike Anning, never Mike. 
Is Mike Anning? I'm guessing there were a lot of Gregs and Mikes though as well. Maybe, but then I thought, well, that's cool. And so for a while I tried to apply it to myself and be like, I'm Catherine Ryan, Catherine Ryan. And I mean, now I am a first name, last name. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like there's a certain gravitas to being a first name, last name. Well, you had a lot of syllables. Yeah, That's many. partly the problem. But then, weirdly, once you became TV's Catherine Ryan, yeah. it gave an extra stress in the sentence, which, which allowed it. Catherine Ryan, for some reason, that's not the right syllable. No. Yeah, Catherine Ryan doesn't work either. No, TV's Catherine Ryan. But you're Jeff Norcott to me. Jeff Nor- Yeah, Jeffrey. Only my sister would call me. Oh, the, the only surviving person that calls me Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that as though there'll be consequences for her saying it. Yeah. Like everyone else that called me Jeffrey has been slaughtered. Um, we've got Becca Murphy. Wow. Becca sounds like she comes from a tough Lewisham estate. There's a girl? Yes, yeah, we do have, we do have some. They, 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 these are the women that, that do get around in. I think. I think a lot of women find you sexy. Uh, there's no evidence of this at all. No, I've seen comments and things. I don't, I don't get... Like, I, What's yeah. your demographic? Um, uh, quite a lot of gay men. Yeah. Quite a lot of gay men. I mean, basically, straight men a bit older than me. Because I remind them of simpler times. So when you go out on like Question Time, for example, yeah. that's the one show where you get the most, I think, traffic in terms of yeah. trolling and praise yeah. or whatever. Like yeah. That's a real conversation starter. You don't get women and mums being like, oh, Jeff's no, nice. No, honestly. Because yeah, yeah, the first few times I was doing telly, I won't lie, I, I, I looked through the comments for general reasons, but I was, I was hoping there might be the odd person I don't get it at no. all. It's really chipped away at my confidence, actually. I'm sure I've seen it. Uh, a, a, a gay men will be quite... Well, I can tell there's a point in the evening with gay men. Okay. If they've had a few Merlots, yeah. they'll, say some, <laughs> they'll say something bold, you know? Yeah. I, I don't mind. I don't mind that at Why all. What did you think the other day these old comments by Stephen Fry were unearthed? Mm. And I think they were 12 years old. Mm. And so, I mean, for that reason, I take them with a grain of salt because you can change your mind 12 times in 12 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. But he said something to the effect, and it might have been taken a little bit out of context in the interview, but the interview was shared again. And he said about um, straight women almost being prudish, and it's like, well, they don't like sex. Oh, yeah, And yeah, yeah. gay men will have sex anywhere. Mm. And if straight women really liked sex, why aren't they doing it out in, in the heat? In cottages. And, it's, it's yeah. And all these women got annoyed because they were like, well, mm. we do like sex, but what about our safety? And we, we might not want to do that. Yeah. But uh, Bobby had an interesting sort of angle on it, as he was just like, well, biologically, and some of us have evolved from the biology that we know, but not yeah. me and not Bobby and probably not you are quite like traditional. No, still fairly close to it. Yeah. Bobby's like, men can just like impregnate as many people as they want any day mm. of the week. And so they're hardwired to like be, have lower standards almost. Like yes. do it more often, <laughs> do it anywhere. It's volume. Yeah. yeah, it's volume. Whereas women have to kind of give it one yeah. solid go. And so we are more... Um, have to invest long-term investments yeah right which is like not a crazy concept no no not at all I think no I I think that is how it is generally yeah it's odd that acknowledging it is in any way edgy I mean there is that old thing and and a lot of people see this as a sexist thing but what's that a key that can open any door is a good key Uh, (laughs) a lock that can be opened by any key isn't a good lock now that does that does um, (laughs) I remember that saying it's been a long time it's been a long time but it it does sort of rest on certain assumptions about men and women but I mean whatever people think right I'll just say that at the point where you've got a teenage boy and a teenage girl Mm. then let me know if you feel differently or even a little bit yeah. differently then because the consequences I don't think I think it's harder for men to abscond now 
I think that that has changed the dynamic. I mean, I again, I say it like a person that sort of thought it through. And, yeah, it would be, you know, Kings Lynn would be where I'd live, you know, if yeah. I just did a runner. That used to be a thing, by the way. Like, the, the, the council estate that I lived on, every once in a while, you just did, well, Terry's done a runner. Ooh. Just done a runner. Off, no, no child support agency then, no. you know. Uh, this is this is, and, and you just did you just see the bloke crop up on like Anvia News or something <gasps> 20 years later? Start over, he just got to live in Norfolk. Do you know, my dad, when he was 18 years old, had to look after his auntie who was by mm. marriage married to his biological uncle and her four children because my dad's uncle did a runner. Mm. And this was in Cork in like when it would have been the late 60s, uh, early 70s maybe. And he was like, yeah, early 70s. And he was like, where the fuck is my uncle? And he got so tired of looking after his auntie and these four kids. Mm. And I don't know if anything else was going on. I mean, my mom has her suspicions. I haven't outright asked my dad. <laughs> but like my dad was like, you know, I was bringing groceries over. And it was tough times. 18 years old. Yes. Oh, wow. And my dad was like, fuck this. And then he somehow before internet, before everything found my uncle mm. in like Tanzania in, in Australia yeah and I can say this because he's deceased and you know he's a wonderful man we all make mistakes his name was Joe Horgan yeah but he changed it to Josh Morgan and he had a music career and he has CDs and everything <laughs> that you can off. listen to yeah and I don't know how my dad did it but he found him and he brought him home that is in incredible I mean like the fact that the, the name left a paper trail, essentially. Yeah. It wasn't so wildly different from the... <laughs> I, I am no longer Joe Morgan, I'm <laughs> Josh Hogan. Exactly. And I bet what we, were his songs about, like, like, did they give away clues as well? Like, thousand miles away from the family I once left. <laughs> I know. Definitely not Joe Morgan. That was, his, that was his first album, <laughs> definitely. Definitely not, Josh. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Let me see if I can find some of his music. I wonder if it's like... Online now, no. Oh, there are other Josh Morgans. But but isn't that that why that why t taxes and changed and also divorce laws changed because the point where other men were having to pick up the pieces for the mistakes of other men, right. it wasn't while women were suffering the consequences. It was like, for God's sake, I'm not paying for that fucking idiots. Exactly, like, and that's excessive. what my dad did. He was like, uh uh, and I just don't know how he did it. You know, I need to get my dad. I need to find out how he found him. I mean, that just sounds like you know one of those like sleeper film hits you know the one that yeah. only had a budget of two and a half million and and it's just like got one big name in it and then <laughs> and then someone mel gibson yeah yeah mel gibson but in the bar of yeah and it's also a redemption narrative that sort of helps mel my dad played by tom holland yeah yeah your dad. <laughs> i'm not doing with this anymore i don't want to fuck my auntie one more time and, and i mean i don't know that that was happening <laughs> i just like to add that to the story i'm too young for all this responsibility I'm yeah off. sure i'd be bringing in a potato do i get to do the accent maybe sure you can. Uh, the car accent or the car it's a, it's a great accent the horses yeah horses. so we you i think what you could have is one of those brilliant trailers like mm -hmm. if anyone's never seen this like there's loads of great spoof trailers of irish films because mm. they have the biggest stereotypes the certain kind of guys you know the the, the sort of irish flower beauty ridiculous accents <laughs> i think it's a hit i mean what would it be uh, definitely not joe bringing <laughs> Yeah, definitely not Joe Morgan. 
And then that makes it a comedy. With that yeah. time, then has to be it'd be John C. Riley. Then well, he would be John a C. Riley would be Joe Joe. And he was a funny guy, and he yeah. lived a long time and a great life. And yeah. I mean, he had fun in Australia. So like all I always, always knew well. this day was coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you found me, Finbar. <laughs> Is that your dad's name? Yeah. You fa- oh my god, this got so many great quotes in it. You found me, Finbar. How did he do it? How did he do it? And it would be, we, you could start with one of those really cliched devices where, you know, like, you're probably wondering how I got here. You know, one of those. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we've got to work it out from the beginning. Um, but Becca Murphy, thank you for your patronage. Becca Murphy, I do. I am getting vibes of hardest girl in year 10. She's Irish. Earrings, sleep back here, Croydon yeah. facelift, as they call it. Um, thank you for your support. Right, we just do a quick thank you and a fuck you before we um, discuss some of the main subjects here. Uh, I just want to thank you to the people that came to the Football's On on Monday night. It's a, it's a football show that normally we film in our homes and it's done on a very kind of DIY basis. We did a live version, there was about 100 oh. people there. And it was me, uh, Ian Stone, Mark Steele and Lloyd Griffiths. So, we, you know, it was like oh. diversity quotas circa 2003. Yes. We were... That's a good group. For... Four Shades of White Men. That would yeah. be, be the name for the group, wasn't it? Uh, but that was really nice. That was really nice. I don't have a fuck you this week. I've, I'm in a generally good mood. Have you got anything you want to give gratitude for? Anything you want to slam? Mm. Well, I want to give gratitude to the NHS, which I don't yeah. often do. But I had to go to a hospital appointment for my pregnancy, which I've been refusing to do. Yeah. I went to free birth. But I went there, and it was clean, and it was nice, mm. and it was really, really cool, and I loved the doctor, and he was young and, and hip, and he made me feel like if I have to have the baby in hospital, I will go now mm. to an NHS hospital. And my problem has never been with the workers. It's a broken system from the top. Yeah. But I had a lovely experience, and it was on time. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like you went to a budget hotel, and it wasn't shit. Yeah. Oh, and that has happened to me recently too. When you go to a well-run travel lodge, oh. there's the new ones where they put a Kit Kat on the side. Ooh. You had the budget travel lodge Kit Kat and NHS experience. And my fuck you is mm. a belated fuck you, but I haven't been able to dish it out yet. Mm. It is to a man in my neighborhood who rang the doorbell on the 29th of October mm. with his two kids trick-or-treating. And my daughter opened the door and she said, uh, hi. And he said, hey, trick or treat. And his kids were in Halloween costumes and they had bags. And my daughter was like, uh, I was watching her on the security camera because mm. I was up putting the baby to bed. And he said, yeah, I'm just out uh, trick or treating with the kids. It was a Saturday night. It was more convenient for him. But guess the fuck what? It was not Halloween. Oh my God. I've only just put it together. That wasn't Halloween. Sorry, no. I mean, so yes. So on he the just, 29th. Yeah, he just did it on a Saturday. Trying to get in early him. as well, getting all the good sweets. I know. So I'm watching the camera. I can make no noise because I'm putting the baby to bed. And my daughter is British, mm. so she's not going to let him down. So she's like, <laughs> oh, okay. So then she leaves the door and she goes to the fridge and she just finds like random snacks and food. Brings it out and puts it Chicken in. wings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she gave these kids just like a bunch of sweets that we had randomly, but it was not... We were not prepared. They were not appropriate Halloween sweets. She gave one of the little girls a big kilogram bag of just like penny sweets that we had left over from her birthday party. That is, I mean, there is some cynicism going on at the moment because I happened to be at home on Halloween for the first time mm. in many years, like pre-COVID. And so I was on duty and word went round that people looked at the weather forecast. Oh. And so like the, we all, everyone knew that the rain was starting at six. From 5.30 to six... The smart ones were out there. They absolutely rinsed it. Nice. My poor old son, Seb. I, I rang Emma in between times. 
Uh, I rang her and said, babe, something's going on here. Like, the, the words, <laughs> words, I did, this, I mean, this isn't even hyperbole. I was like, something's going on, you need to get sweets, because I will not have, you know, when you start thinking of your kid being bereft. Yeah. I was like, we need to take evasive action here, stop off at the petrol station, you know, get some round trees, randoms or something. All right, I'm just going to pick your brain very briefly about Keir Starmer. So I'm interested. You've always been a very savvy person about politics. You're not like a politics nerd like I am, but you have a good instinctive reading of people. And Keir Starmer's had a bit of criticism recently because as the Tories have become... I mean, to say like it is a success for him, but less chaotic, right? So people have now looked again at what Starmer's offering and how he's offering it. He's gone back on a lot of leadership pledges. You know, he's appeared at the Spectator uh, Politician of the Year Award. He's, he's uh, appeared at the Sun newspaper thing. There's a lot of people on the left that are seeing him that he's sort of going a bit blary and stuff like that. But just generally, what do you have a reading on him, like a cold reading on him as a person? No, I feel like... Uh... I am a centrist left-wing mm. person and I think the Labour government has been a flaccid organization for the last several years that have created no opposition for the mm. Tories which is why they continue to reign supreme and do whatever they want and I'm not under any disillusion that because the Tories are bad that means the Labour Party is good I think yeah, there are yeah. like bad seeds all over both mm. sides of the government and this guy I just think uh, uh, who was it? Sarah Pascoe said an analogy, um, used an analogy to explain why people are voting the way they are and why a lot of left-wing people keep being surprised mm. that Tories yeah, yeah. keep being voted despite all the... And I mean, even you as a Tory can appreciate that they have fucked with our money and given contracts oh, to yeah. their friends. I've just been horrid liars and philanderers. Like, it's not been... No one's been looking good lately. But Sarah goes, it's like saying to people... Do you want definitely no cake or maybe some cake? Mm. People will always go for, well, maybe some cake. Mm. And labor, I don't think, are offering anybody anything. And I don't... I don't a, bit, a bit no cake. I don't know anything about Keir Starmer. And that's not my fault. Yeah. I feel like, where is he? Yeah, I mean, that is the problem. Is, is that I know that there will be some people that will say, we... Um, you know, we've had a lot of charisma in the form of Boris and mm. stuff like that. And where did that get us? So, so well, maybe it's time for a boring guy. But is I, that the best we've got? Yeah, like, why can't we have both? Like, you know what I mean? Why can't we have charisma and, and, yeah. and competence? And I also think, like, you know, when it comes to election time, you've still got to get people out of their door to go and do a thing yeah. on, your, on your behalf. And, you know, he, he just doesn't, like... He doesn't put fire in the bed. Like, when he starts talking... So it's got that, you know, the voice, and yeah, you know, sort of Josh Widdicombe type. Oh. Well, no, but for Josh, that works because he's a comic. I'd vote for Josh. Yeah, jo vote, jo vote Josh because you think, oh, bless. You know, because Keir Starmer's like this, this both sim simultaneously low and high status person. Well, I think he said stupid things, but I can't even give an example of a stupid thing that he said because nothing he's ever said has been memorable to me. Nothing he's ever said has been memorable. That, that is a bit a good way of putting it. But Boris Johnson happened? said he, he's like a human bollard. That was one of Boris's. <laughs> Boris didn't he, didn't... he didn't deliver that many funny lines, actually, Boris, despite oh. his reputation. But I think that's what... What I worry about is that Labour winning by default. You know, like, so you've got this great... You've got this tennis match. It's not a great tennis match. But you've got a tennis, tennis match. And then, in, 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 you know, in the final set, the other guy just keeps doing footfalls. That's what the Tories have done. Yeah. They've just footfalled the way for the last fucking, like, two years. 
And then Labour, I'm going to do another sporting analogy. They're like, you know, when you know when the football team's like a few goals up and they think, oh, we're just time waste. That's what it feels like they're doing. And I just wonder when it comes to the election, whether just loads of people won't vote because they're going, well, I, I, I definitely want the Tories out, but I can't like actively vote for Labour. I mean, do you have any intel on what happened with Jess Phillips because she was Labour leader for like a day? Just uh, she wasn't Labour leader. She, she was for for really? I swear like an hour, and then she stepped down, or she didn't accept, or something happened Ooh, where I don't know. They were yeah. I'll Google it, and while we talk about Jess Phillips, I love Jess Phillips. And what's wrong? Do people not like her, or did she? I think because I know Jess Phillips is a human being and a good mm. person with genuine intentions, not yeah putting on airs or anything else. I think maybe it's it's an impossible seat at the table if you're not prepared to do what your party wants or make certain compromises. I'm sure well, she, that well, there's, a, there's loads of people on the left that hate her because they believe that she wasn't as supportive of Jeremy Corbyn as who right. she should have been. I don't know how supportive you should be of Jeremy Corbyn. She, uh, but they, they, I mean, I, I met her and did something with her recently and she's got, it's really interesting with the Labour left is that all the people... Oh, she quit the Labour leadership race in race. 2020. But I thought she was... She was in, or she was very clearly... I know, no, she's well-liked. I think she's more liked within Twitter circles than she is outside of it. So she's definitely got more metropolitan-type appeal, if you know yeah. what I mean. Like she, they're just, I mean, that's the problem as well. I mean, we know this in our game. There's just a lot of people don't know who the fuck the Labour people are. Right. Jess Phillips is probably one of the better-known. Angela Rayner, her hair, we just, like... It, I mean, you shouldn't be based on hair, but you go, that is strong hair, isn't it? Yeah. That auburn powerful <laughs> do you know what I mean she's fighting she's got fighting hair I don't know if you saw much of Penny Morden yep yep strong hair strong hair so you feel like the hair is letting her down well, no, I not with, help <laughs> with that <laughs> well, I with Jess. an iconic look <laughs> she's got really powerful extensions and, and I mean it, it's tricky isn't it because we've gone through that period where you weren't supposed to talk about um, women's appearance in politics but then you go you sort of realise the re reality is anybody in politics how they look is going to contribute to what you think of them and I think hair after Donald Trump and Boris Johnson is on the table we it's, can talk yeah, hair yeah. now do you remember there was that photo of um, Nicola Sturgeon and Theresa May sitting side by side yeah. and like they both had their legs out <laughs> well no again that's problematic they didn't have them out they had legs they had legs and yeah. I perceived them to be out mm. flaunting Flaunting in the battle of the legs, and I know it was wrong. It's one of these childish things in me. I know it's wrong, but the Daily Mail said, or oh, the battle, what was it, legs it or something? The battle, yes, of the... But that was in our recent past. I know, but they did both have good pins, but anyway. What do you expect from the Daily Mail? They've been yeah. on my dick so much this week that I had to post a steamy nude photo in the shower, which you could see nothing. I look like a ghost mm. in a cloud. And I thought, this will get me back in the news for the right reasons. And it did. And of course they used the word steamy nude shower pig. But did you flaunt anything? Flaunted my growing bump. You're growing, flaunted. What, what are the other words? Paraded? Have you ever paraded? Yep, Have yep. they ever had you parading I've anything? I've paraded, I've flaunted. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, coming on to the, the, the Louis interview, I mean, obviously they were, you know, they were, this is, I think there's a broader point here, right? So mm. one of the things that Louis was saying to you in the interview... Uh, and I've heard other reviewers say this, this thing about you becoming more soft and stuff, which I think I think is odd because I've worked with you throughout this period. So I don't think in terms of what you're saying is, is really softer at all. The style in which you're saying it might be, but I find that odd that people are so distracted by style over substance. So you go, at the same time, 
you're being called softer. You're bringing a subject into the public domain, i.e., in that you know sexual predators, right. which you know is uh, like is is spicy and 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 is gonna get people talking. You think I don't know. You can simultaneously be seen as like, well, you she's become more risk averse. As meanwhile, you're trending for this huge thing that's got everybody talking. I mean, I feel like I haven't. I mean, we all evolve. But I haven't made a concerted effort to be softer or to shy yeah. away from subjects that I used to talk about maybe on stage because culture is changing. I think maybe all comedy is becoming a little bit more uh, carefully articulate maybe, yeah. but I still talk about like dicks and stuff and political yeah. stuff sometimes or at least like social zeitgeist type yeah. celebrity political stuff sometimes. But I think what it is is I've gotten older, I've gotten yeah. fatter, I've got a baby and I'm married. I think it's just people's perception. Yeah. Interestingly, I think they go, oh, that woman is softer now because mm. she loves a she's man. She's been tamed. Yeah. <laughs> they talk about you like, she's softer. She's like a fabric softener. That's what they're... Like a duvet. Yeah. Yeah. She's more fragrant, Catherine. Warm. Ryan. And then, Coffee. yeah. Because I, I don't see, you know, and I think that what's interesting about your, your comedy now I mean obviously you know people are listening now I mean obviously you've been through the process everything mm-hmm. that you've got to say on the issue of sexual predators in our industry is out there you know I think yeah. you can't do any more your end you know and there is a case of over to you industry I never wanted yeah. to talk about it I talk about it because I get asked yeah. and when I was asked once a year and a half ago uh, the context was like oh how do you handle going to work when you think you'd be working with a creep because so this is on a, backstage with Catherine Roman on Amazon to, yeah. yeah there's with, a moral dilemma there where you go oh well I don't want to be seen laughing with endorsing this guy that mm. I believe terrible things about so what do I do do I not go to work well I need to work to support my mm. family so how can I make this work in a way that it's a personal compromise and I found a way to make that work for me and I'm not the only one I think there are men making those same choices at work too it's like well, do I want to be seen to endorse this guy? I mm. don't. What should I do? And that was the conversation. It was never about me being like, there's someone, guess no, who? No. And that's what they've made it about. They're like, what's the name? What's the name? And it's like, well, that, it was never what I was... I mean, that's the thing is that that show wasn't orchestrated. You, there was a discussion yeah. that happened. And then the problem is if you say, well, let's not put that in, that's then a moral choice. So it's the right moral choice to put it in. Right. But then there's the, the consequences that people will get talking. And then obviously at the moment you do an interview with Louis Theroux, he's going to want to pick yeah. up on it. But yeah, I think it's that, from my point of view... You've gone as far as you can in terms of oh, yeah. of highlighting the thing, and then the rest it has to come from the people that are directly involved. It's amazing that people think you can just say a name; it's that easy. You mm. can't, and also no one's looking for the name. They have the name. They're mm. what they're looking for is the women's names. Yes. Yeah. So when journalists and investigators ring me up, my phone, my personal phone, which I don't know how they got the number, they want yeah. to talk about consent, but I've told them a thousand times I don't want to talk to them. So how are they the right people to be tackling the subject of consent? They don't seem to grasp the concept. They go, well, tell us the women so that they can yeah, bang it on your women. door. Maybe it's a fucking Halloween guy. It is the Halloween guy. <laughs> but for news. October 29th. Have you got any uh, got any lurid tales you want to put in my bag, Catherine? That, yeah. In my mind, that's every tabloid hack, by the way. Yeah, it is. Um, but you, I mean, like, in terms of the thing of Louis, you probably, like, did it make you nervous, the prospect of, of doing the show? At no. All? Uh, surprisingly, I was too busy and distracted by my tour and my pregnancy mm. and everything else to be nervous. And I'm glad for that because I feel like the best that you can do is to be yourself. That's the mm. type of comedy I'm attracted to. That's the type of people that I'm drawn to, people who aren't. Like we said earlier with Justin Trudeau, like 
I don't want someone putting on airs with me and I don't want someone speaking in a way that they think is going to make themselves the most likable. I hate that. You don't want the comedy Justin Trudeau. There's a, there's a few of those. There's a few of those. I just want someone to be totally transparent with me. And I think if you are nervous, you can't really be yourself. So yeah. I just answered. And that's the other problem with me. My husband's like, why would you talk to him about that? There was another part of the interview where he asked me about an ex. Uh, like this very like disgusting story about him like coming on me in the night. Sorry to your new patrons. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. So the story was that you, you woke up and he... <laughs> it's he, from my book. Yeah. He, he blessed your, your face in his view. It uh, wasn't even my face. Yeah. They reported it as my face, but whatever. I didn't specify what part of the body it was, but it basically I was like sticky. And I was like, what the hell? Mm. And he had taken all these photos and been like, yeah, this is what I did in the night. I thought, you're so weird. And by the way, that wasn't even the weirdest thing he'd ever did. He was just an odd person. But I talk about loads of things in my book. And Bobby said, well, when Louie asked you that, why didn't you just say, like, I don't really want that in? And I'm like, well, I mean, that's what I said to the boyfriend. But I said, um, <laughs> I said, the trouble with me is if you ask me a question, I will answer it. Yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not a surprise like, to me. But I, mean, like, I could see that people watch the, how disarming, how disarming it is for people that mm. there is that level of honesty. So, so you didn't have any edit control. There wasn't any posting where you could say, I, I wish I hadn't said that or I'd rather you didn't talk about that. Or... You could do that, but I don't do that yeah. because I hate when people do it to me. Yes. I didn't yeah. have edit control, but I could have said, yeah. will you please take that out? But I wouldn't do that because I have been micromanaged and mm. like, as a creative person, it annoys me. I feel like, especially when people who aren't funny work on your thing and, and they're from some corporate background and they go, we think it's funnier if you say it like this. I go, really? Mm. How many tickets have you sold this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. Get out of my face. So I don't like to tell people how to create their art. Like I was very grateful to be mm. part of it and to be interviewed and then however they want to edit it, I trust their stories. Yeah, and you, tr you trust him, I suppose. Yeah, I that, do that. trust him and I like it. I like the end result. Yeah, no, it's a great show and I think one of the, one of the things I liked in particular and it, it got less attention in a way I like the fact you talk about money because I see you now. You yeah, are yeah. you're British and you're ours now. We're fully claiming you because there's a cultural side to you um, that you know is fully immersed. But then there's that side of you which is it's just honest because it's such an annoying thing in this industry where we see people become multimillionaires and they act like it's this. Oh, oh, oh! Did I just earn another million quid? Whoops! Yeah. You know you go. Well, no, everything about how you've set up your life has been towards this level of success, and there's no problem with that. And, and it did seem, that was what I found was interesting, was it seemed like a radical act for you to talk about the yeah. fact that if you get offered shitloads of money, you're going to want to do the gig. I think it's rude not to. Mm. I think if you have gone from being, when I first came to this country, I was making £16,000 a year, and I was working, it felt like seven to seven. I had to leave my house, queue mm. for the bus. At the end of the month, sometimes I wouldn't have even enough money for the bus. I'd be looking in the couch cushions because my Oyster card had run out. And I was bringing a box of Rice Krispie squares or Rice Krispies cereal mm. to work because milk was free at the tea station. And that's what I would be eating at the end of the month. I would always run out of money. And I had a partner who was not super reliable in pitching in. Mm. And then I became a mom really soon. And like it was really tough to live in London on that salary. And I know that people still do. Of course, there's been uh, adjustments in inflation since then. Mm. This was like 2008. But it was mad and it was hard. And then I got little pay rises here and there. I'd get bonuses, but I was always struggling. I was always running out of money. So I, I said to myself, if I'm ever in a position where someone offers me work, but I've always been that way, even when I was a waitress. Mm. If you offer me an extra shift, I'm going to take it. Like I've always been, 
a grafter and now especially when it's so much money that I never imagined someone would offer me to do mm. what I love when I do feel grateful to do but I didn't include that bit I just talked about the money I'm like but, but, yeah, but, that's, but that's the, the, the thing is you've managed to carve like a, a thing where whereby you you know you can do the endorsements and stuff like that but it doesn't take away from your credibility at all as an artist but like you still have edge there was this debate I don't know if you were, were in the country or how well settled you were here but do you remember when like Mark Watson did a Strongbow advert oh. and it was the first comics to do an advert for a while and there was loads of talk in the industry like people going like, well you know fucking shouldn't be doing that I'm like you, you like for me I would particularly if I if I drank Strongbow yeah. like there would be no I wouldn't even it wouldn't even have to think about it no. if KFC ever came to me it would be dishonest to not do the advert do you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean yeah. like there's certain there's yeah. certain things so so is that is that a bit of the North American vibe that, that benefits you in a way because people go yeah you know she's we see that as being an, a, a, a thing from the States and and you know by extension Canada where it's not a bad thing to do all right for yourself no, it's not. I mean, I think, and for women especially, the pushback I got on that was like, well, if you're working so much and you're making all this money, your children don't care about your bank balance. Like, where are your children? And it's like, well, if they actually, met children after a point. Yeah, they care. Violet cares <laughs> tremendously about my bank balance. But I bring my children. I'm, I see my children more than most people, and I'm yeah. up with my children all night, and every minute that I'm not working, I'm with my children, and sometimes they're with me at work uh, very inappropriately. So, I mean, I'm with my kids all the time, but there are adverts I won't do. Like, I won't do any gambling adverts because yeah. I feel like I'm quite against, like, what that can do potentially to people's lives. The thing is, this is the thing with, like, I don't get any sponsorship endorsement because ultimately, on an advert, currently, culturally, I'm the last guy anybody wants to be associated with. Even if it is, like, a straight white guy, you're wanting the guy with the fisherman's beard, the piercings. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, he's the guy that's eating the Zinger burger so Jeff well not in reality but that's that's this idea that advertisers seem to have at the moment that I mean the Virgin Atlantic ad is is the absolute sort of zenith of that where mm. everyone is kind of non-binary gender yeah. you know the boys are looking like girls you know people are being their full selves not the Virgin Atlantic allowed that uh, non-binary outfit to be worn on a flight to Qatar but that yeah. that's the corporate culture I think that it's about trust and if you have a readership or people who come to see your stand up or listen to your podcast and they trust that you're going to give them good recommendations mm. and you are a no bullshit person who's not going to endorse something that you genuinely don't like. I wouldn't endorse something that I didn't No like. regimes. And no regimes. Yeah, and neither would you. But you, what, you but what if we were on the downslide though? Like where you go, when you, you know, if you see like the, the, the kind of like peak of the hill and you go, okay, I've got to think about my future now. Some mm. light dictatorships, benevolent dictatorships. I might, I might do a Beckham. I mean, it beats strictly. <laughs> it's a huge time investment and I don't want to cheat on my husband okay uh, right on that note um, I think if we, we've got time to do a letter I, yeah. I think well, one letter just quickly but, uh, but I would say just get yourself on iPlayer watch the show and obviously if this way of talking and this level of honesty is read the book Kathy's uh, book The Audacity and also the podcast telling everybody everything <laughs> Okay, it's just one letter quickly before we need to allow your husband to watch the football. Um, is this is this is how your life's changed now? You've got to let let hubby watch the sport. Um, this is uh, this is anonymous, and I think you'll see why. Um, hi Jeff, I'm in my mid fifties, and I was watching the Ranga Nation, and they spoke about something called the ick, this thing where young people find some small things about their other half, and they can't get past it. Right? I realised I have loads of icks with my wife. I don't like the way she can't fast forward properly on the Sky Remote. She eats Twiglets all year round. Um, she also, 
She also hates sport, but when a tournament is on, she asks me what's going on so she can seem up to date with her male colleagues at work. Mm. Uh, oh, we've got a bit more here. I cringe when I think of how she must sound getting everything I said wrong. Are these icks or do I not like her anymore? This from Phil uh, in Maystone. So it's not an... I probably shouldn't have said that. I might edit that out. Just, just, just Phil. There's lots of Phil's in Maze though. Um, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because that is one case where young people put a name on something that immediately go, I absolutely fucking know what that is. Yeah. Right? An ick. Like, I'll give you an example of an ick I've got. Not a massive fan of smoking anyway, but women smoking roll-ups. Ooh. I mean, I did, no, well, I say no offence. Obviously, some offence. But if women smoke it, I don't know why. I just, I just, I don't think it's right. The best ick I ever heard is a girl said... I went to a water park with my boyfriend and I watched him wait for the lifeguard to say he could go down the water slide. <laughs> <laughs> and that gave her the ick and she broke up with him because she couldn't get past it. I mean, that is always the thing about an ick. I go, if you're in love, what you do is you tune into the good stuff. And if you're not in love, you'll yeah. be picking up the different arsehole, arsehole frequencies. I mean, if you're at the point, and I've been in this in, in previous relationships, whereby if someone just pronounces a word... Oh, like suddenly they start saying where there's this great thing on Family Guy <laughs> where, where Stewie says where, he starts pronouncing the WH's together um, so I, I don't know I mean I feel like for context of this if you'd have told me how long you've been married um, Phil you're saying mid 50s you sound like a conventional bloke these may just be go with the territory icks right yeah. if you can see your marriage out you will live longer and you won't die smelly because that's what happens to men if they end up really what smells? What gets uh, they just, you know, don't look after themselves as much. Oh, like, no. Men get an extra year of life for being married. Women do not get any no. extra. <laughs> it's obviously in our favour. But do, do you think he should either... Can... Twiglets all year round's a weird one. I think he needs to be wary that if he's got these eggs, yeah. and they're not terrible eggs, he has to look in the mirror and think, how many eggs has she got about him yeah, at this Phil. point? Yeah, Phil. Is Icky he out-icking her? <laughs> because... I think she's probably put up with a lot. Yeah. She's tolerating, you know, she's, her one joy in life is the twiglet. Yeah. And. Maybe it's, it's a twiglet leave a breath residue and that's a way right. of not having sex. And someone new might give you the ick, but then mm. you've also got to pay alimony to this yeah. bitch. Yeah. So, I mean, how, I think, do I like her anymore? I don't know. I don't know yeah. in a marriage what the line is that's worth actually acting on that and leaving someone or if you can just... Uh, <sighs> it'd be hard for after the I'm presuming the years of marriage where if you suddenly start saying these out loud maybe this is the point is just start saying them and then see how ridiculous they sound yeah. see how hurt she is when you start when you start saying them and then and then maybe maybe you'll realise that it's just, if you look you, here's the thing you said do I not like her anymore you didn't say love I oh think, yeah I think love I do think that you love her you find her annoying. I just say, do the thing that all men do. Get drunk and let it all come out in a horrific argument that takes six months to undo. Yeah, because these are things that can be fixed. Yeah, it'll take a while. I mean, I mean let's be when you do like properly criticise a woman, it's, right. it's a harder road back from that, isn't is it? it? Well, you know, I think it's part of the female lexicon is to say to a bloke stuff that's annoying or the way you breathe or something, you know. Uh, I think maybe Phil's missing out. I think maybe this person is missing mm. out, this anonymous person, on... Like the subtle difference between something that annoys you mm. and an actual ick. Mm. When young people use the word ick, it is a very specific non-negotiable. And an right. ick grows. It's an infestation. <laughs> it's a fungus. It's yeah. a mold. And it takes over the relationship. So if it's just something annoying about her, 
then yeah. you could have it out and you know talk about it in a row when you're drunk like you recommended but if it's an actual ick it will put you off or it will you will think about it all the time yeah. and you won't even be able to look her in the face i think i think you've hit the nail on the head i think you've Slightly misunderstood ick, and if you're thinking, does this mean that I don't like her or love yeah. her anymore? No, it doesn't just mean, just means you're married, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, Catherine Ryan, thank you so much for coming back on thank the podcast. You. As I say, you know, do check out the show on iPlayer, do check out the podcast and the book. And uh, I would appreciate it. I think it did well in the ratings, and that's important right. for the BBC. I didn't want to come dead last for the interviewees. He's up against celebrity as well. He's up against the mighty showbiz behemoth that is fucking Matt Hancock. Ugh. But that's, another, that's one for another show. But listen, thanks so much for coming back on What Most Thank People you, Think. Thank you, Jeff. Always nice to see you.